0: Source. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that. that is Heaney from the Boundary line. He's an expert at these. From the Boundary line!
1: Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary podcast. I'm your host Pez and you are here for another edition of the Cheeky Pump pod where we are going to be reviewing... The end of the season, round 18. But we are not going to be putting bets on finals because, source, they've done it to us again. There's another week of buys.
0: Hello, guys. Another week of buys. Yes, you and I were talking about this before the show, Pez. The buy before the first week of finals, I don't understand why we do that. Before the actual final series, why don't we do it the week before the grand final like the NFL do so that all the players who are playing in the biggest game of the year can get healthy. But, Pez, we made it. We made it to the end of the season, which I didn't think we'd make it at, at, at times during this year.
1: I thought we were only going to get that one round that we had at the start of the season. But um, you do speak about that and about why they have the bye. I think it's to stop all the, the coaches, what they were doing in, in previous years before the bye got introduced, is they were actually resting their players in games that didn't mean anything in the last round of the season. And that ha- seemed to happen a lot as well. It happens a lot, we know, in the NBA where, they rest their stars when you know they've already put uh, they're already fourth and they can't go down to fifth or whatever. So they will rest uh, their stars and they've been putting fines and things for them in the NBA. But the AFL they've just put the buy in and teams have pretty much agreed. You know what? If our uh, stars are healthy, we'll, we'll play them.
0: I mean, my, my problem is with that is that if your team is uh, that far ahead anyway, and we weren't in that situation this year where you know the the finals actual lineup wasn't settled until Sunday Sunday night, the last game of the round teams are going to do that anyway. Like if you've got four games on top and you've got players that are 50-50, you, you'd start resting them. But this year we, we couldn't do it because the the product was so good and it was such a close season um, throughout.
1: Yeah, that's it. Like, if, if you are ahead, I think, and this was my view uh, years ago when the buy wasn't there, if you've earned that right and you can't go down from first or second, you should be allowed to do whatever you want with your list and you should be able to manage it in a certain way. And if that's resting some of your stars uh, – you're still going out there to try and win the game with who you've got in the park, but it's nothing to do with tanking. You're not down the bottom of the ladder. You're up the top of the ladder and you're just getting your team ready for the biggest final series that you can, you can play.
0: Yeah, most definitely. If you've earned the right to uh, be able to rest those players and you know what, there's no difference between that and you know, how often do we see them blatantly right managed in on the list uh, when they, they come to injuries and that No, we're managing him. Like how can you manage a player if, if you're wanting to win the game? Like, of course you're going out there to win the game the people that you replace them with, they're vying for an opportunity at final, so they're going to give them their all anyway. Um, I don't see the big deal with it, but um, oh well, we're, we're debating something that we can't change, Pez, but it is it is one of those things that do frustrate me because many times during grand final week, you have that race for the, the you know players trying to get up for the grand final, but if you had that week there, you're more likely to get the best players on the park so that we have the two best teams, the two best lists of the year.
1: Yeah, I, I am quite happy to have the buy. Uh, this week, though, source because um, I've got a new favourite TV show that I've just found out about that um, I'm sure we'll be talking about a little bit later. So we're going to do a bet review, and then something very special is coming up because we are going to be announcing a new show favourite and a new favourite TV show.
0: Review There's no official review. How does it end? We don't know. I can't have lost, they kind of lost that one as well. Oh, you've got all the viewers, Pez, on the edge of their seats waiting for the announcement coming after our bet review. I can't wait to get into it either way. Let's start things off with, as we said, an eventful uh, Sunday afternoon where two of the games actually had major implications on the finals. The first one we start off with was a bit of a goodbye game, the Hawthorne Hawks taking up My Gold Coast Suns, and they took them to town in that first quarter, Pez, piling on seven goals in the first quarter.
1: Oh, yeah, Hawthorne uh, came out, and that was uh – one in the, in the tipping competitions that would have got a few people up the top a little bit worried because uh, Gold Coast were quite uh, good favourites, but Alistair Clarkson has done this before with milestone games and things like that where he gets his team across the line. Actually, I, I should stop saying that. We always give Alistair Clarkson credit for when they win and never um, discredit for him when they lose. The the team, you know, they got up for their mates and they, and they did that. It was a very interesting thing I was watching before where they didn't give um, Tom Bell Chambers a, a game, a farewell game at Essendon What do you think about giving players farewell game source?
0: Um, you know what If you, It depends on the legacy I mean Tom Bell Chambers has been a, a, you know, a great player for the football club But I think that if you've earned the spot And you've done the right thing throughout your career That you'll get that spot For me, but Tom Bell Chambers I'm not saying that he didn't have a good career But like what did he do for Essendon? I mean you're comparing uh, oranges to apples here When we talk about farewell games you're normally talking about premiership stars, premiership, um, you know, people that have done something for the club of significance. All Australians, Brownlow medalists, you know, Coleman medalists. Tom Bell Chambers, no, no, no um, disrespect or anything, but I don't think that he, he earned the right to to demand a a, um, a farewell game.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I was uh, watching. I don't even know what I was watching. Nick Rewalt was speaking about it, and he was saying that um, you should give those type of players a farewell game because it actually builds that culture around the club and the younger players, you know, you build that excitement around it. It's a dead rubber anyway. It doesn't, didn't matter if they won or things like that. So I can see both points of the story and I'm very intrigued um, to see how some different clubs handle that in the future as well.
0: It's funny because a lot of people say it's a dead rubber game. I don't think it is a dead rubber game because there's a range of things that those sort of games offer. They offer an opportunity to start your, you know, your next season on, on a high, so, you know, finishing, uh, on, n- n- knocking off a team. So, for example, Essendon, they beat Melbourne, they kick them out of finals, which n- end up happening anyway. They start 2021 on that high. It also gives an opportunity to see some of those younger blokes and push for those blokes that are having a contract, offer a contract, and you get a game experience into those younger younger blokes. You've got to weigh up the, you know, the, the mission of the individual versus the mission of the team. Yes, it does build culture, but it's a really tough one. I think you'd have to be it's very dependent on the player. And I think it's, there's not a a groundbreaking rule that sort of a blanket rule that goes across everything.
1: Yeah. I think it depends on the club and, and how you're traveling at certain stages and things like that. But I had a bet in this one source, uh, didn't get up. I was very disappointed because my man, Jack Lacocious, uh, usually when he plays in defense, he gets it pretty easily, does the kick out. He was playing up forward a lot of this game and they'll test him up as a forward in the last game of the round. Stuart Jew, what have you done? But, Lukosius didn't get his fifteen; only got eleven. He got tackled twice in that last quarter, so he, he could have got there in the end. But playing up forward, it's always harder to get those touches. Uh, Tom Mitchell had his twenty, and Ben King kicked a goal. But yeah, I did miss out on that one uh, one leg with uh, Jack Lukosius.
0: Uh, no bonus bet, no bonus bonus bet, Pez.
1: No, I power played it anyway, so I wouldn't have got one.
0: Okay, just wanted to make sure um, that you didn't get a bonus bet. I was a little bit unsure if you would or not. Uh, because I uh, I had the option of the the bonus pet with my exclusive, but I did not take advantage of it. I had Gold Coast <laughs> to win, they didn't win. Uh, Alice to get fifteen, he didn't get fifteen, and uh, <laughs> Hugh Greenwood to get over fifteen, uh, and he didn't do that either. So uh, the clean sweep for me uh, there, Pez. Oh, sorry, Hugh Greenwood got fifteen right on the, yeah. on the in the last the last second or whatever. So I got one out of my three legs. So I really took so advantage. No of that ex- really took advantage of that exclusive tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: yuck. Well, that's what that's what they want, is it? But. Um, We move to the next game, which is a very important game. You had the Sydney Swans taking on uh, the Geelong Cats. And didn't Sydney give Geelong a scare?
0: Absolute scare um, from all of the Geelong faithful watching that game. Um, They they have done what they've done all year, Sydney. They've showed promise. And if you're a Sydney Swans supporter going into 2021, with the effort that you guys are showing in the first half of games and really, you know, catching teams by surprise, they really, really are exciting to watch. Um, But Geelong... What are they doing, mate? Why do they Why do they do that to, to, to fans and decide to just become complacent against teams that they need to beat? Why don't they have that killer instinct, going there, get the job done early, and then relax in the last quarter?
1: Yeah, they had to rely on that movement of um, Dangerfield at full forward, which didn't he kill it in that end of the third quarter and start of the last quarter as well, but he just wheeled his team over the line in the end, and Sydney were fighting for everything. They were uh, very, very impressive, but... Um, if I was a Geelong supporter, he wouldn't be too pleased with that. But then you look at it at the end of the day, you won, you're in the top four, you're playing against Port Adelaide, which is probably preferable, and you, you've got a chance to win a first final.
0: Yeah, you, sp- you speak there of uh, Patrick Dangerfield moving into that um, <laughs> into that forward line and literally willing his team um, back into the game, kicking three of the last five goals to to give Geelong a nice little uh, lead going into that last quarter. And uh, it, it, they almost all came undone. You know, six points up, 19 seconds left. Sydney get the ball going forward, and I don't know if you saw it earlier in the in the the week, uh, Pez, that Geelong, um, the the wives and the girlfriends and um, you know, ex players had a bit of a viewing party. Did you have you seen the footage of this this Pez? Uh,
1: the cats, the yeah. cats did. Yeah, no, they they had that. a bit of a
0: viewing party going, and uh, Luna Enright, uh, young daughter of uh, you know, Geelong great Corey Enright. Nineteen seconds left. The ball gets up gets tapped into it and she uh, accidentally knocks the tail and changed the channel. And absolute <laughs> chaos has gone through the viewing party. There's people screaming, there's people running up trying to do it. They turn the TV back on and work it out and Geelong's sitting there celebrating in it. Was, uh, oh. Absolute chaos, a great clip. I'll make sure that I uh, send it out to you so the media manager can tweet it. But, um, yeah, heart, heart in your uh, mouth sort of stuff. But Geelong do escape with a win. Um, and not really embarking any confidence into Geelong supporters coming up against uh, ladder leaders Port Adelaide next uh, in a week's time.
1: Yeah, and Port Adelaide, uh, who did something, we'll speak about them a little bit later, but did finish on top of the ladder with that win over Collingwood last night. But um, I had the, the man, the Coleman medalist, uh, Tom Hawkins, to get more goals than Sam Reid. And I was pretty confident in this because Tom Hawkins got an early goal and then it was nothing, nothing, nothing. And then Sam Reid got one in the fourth quarter and I thought, oh, no, what's what's happening here? What's Tomahawk going to do? And he got a cheap free kick uh, and got the goal, which was good. But it kind of paid up for the – you see the other free kick. I, I want to know your view on it. He's gone up for the mark. He's tried to do the specky, nearly landed on the floor and then taken the mark. And the umpires paid a free kick against him for, you know, illegal attempt at a mark. And Tom Hawkins given the old uh, French language.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting one. That There were a couple of interesting calls during that game. There was a couple of questionable blocking calls, um, a couple of interesting um, marks not paid. Like the ball was clearly both ways between, you know, um, Sydney and Geelong. There was one early in the in the game. Tom Hawkins takes a very clear mark, brings it to floor, gets tapped out of his hands. The umpire's called play on. That happened three or four times. Some very questionable marking situations, but uh, I don't know how it can be an unrealistic attempt when you take the mark. I just don't understand Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, when I saw it, I thought, "Yeah, come on, you, you've got to pay in the mark there." But um, can you like specky someone, then land on the floor and then mark it? I, I, it was a it was a borderline thing there, but the umpires made that call on the on the spot. Can't change it, but Tomahawk had some really stern words for him, which was interesting. But, it's, re- it's really yeah, interesting but I got the-
0: that one though. Pez, as you speak about it though, because I don't actually understand why unrealistic attempt is a free kick anyway. Like, what, why is it a free kick? You, you haven't illegally made contact with the head. You haven't made any illegal contact with, with the above the shoulders or anything. You've, you've jumped up for a mark. And, yeah, you, you know, you've, I guess it's a, a legal block, but
1: I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. I, yeah, that. I think there's a couple of other rules meshed together in that one because you're, you've actually blocked that player from getting a run at the ball, even if it's behind them or something like that. And then there was one, I can't remember who it was. You might be able to help me out. He's, he's gone ahead and he's pushed, it was Collingwood, it was in the Collingwood game, Collingwood put Adelaide, he's oh, pushed Mason him in Cox, the Mason chest, Cox. Mason Cox, yep, half time. and then he didn't go for the, the ball, the ball wasn't within the five metre mark, so that's what the umpire has given him, and he said, yes, you can do that, but you didn't attempt to go for the ball afterwards, so you can't just run around the field 50 metres off the ball pushing people in the chest, so that's Kind of a similar thing.
0: Yeah, it was interesting that one uh, that you spoke about that because he makes contact, front-on-body contact, and the umpire, the way I heard it was that he because he um, his first attempt was the player and not the ball, that's why it got paid. So you, your first attempt has to be for the ball, and I'm thinking, well, that's 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 rubbish because how many times does the ball go up there and the first thing you do is engage with your, your opponent, trying to, to out-muscle.
1: Yeah, it's the thing I love watching about forwards is the, the ability and the strength to be able to engage, whether it's in the side or in the front. You can't do it in the back, but you can push him in the side or the front. Some forwards have it. Some forwards don't take advantage of it and aren't clever enough to do that. But, um, yeah, my interpretation of his explanation was you did push him. It would have been legal if you then went for the ball. But because you didn't go for the ball or you didn't have a chance to go for that ball, that's why I paid the free kick. So
0: they're saying that you you didn't immediately contact, go for the mark, contact, you let it hit the floor, and then you went to go get it.
1: Yeah, something like that. So you can't... And that's why I used the example before. So if you're standing 100 metres away from the ball, you can't just go up and push someone over in the chest because then you're not going to go for the ball, yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah, are not going
0: to play for the ball. Yeah. <laughs> different, different rules for different parts of the ground. Um, hopefully they, they work out all their interpretations for, for finals, pairs because there'd be nothing frustrating than having <laughs> uh, umpiring decisions costing teams finals.
1: Uh, it'll, it'll probably happen. Yeah, it probably. probably happen. <laughs> We've seen it happen before. But Tomahawk kicked two goals, two goals, two, could have had more. Should have had more. So Sam Reid's won for a little bit of a sweat, but that um, bet ended up getting up.
0: Yeah, well, mine, I uh, did the same thing in the last game, Pez. Took advantage of that exclusive uh, three-game same-leg multi. I had Cameron Guthrie to get 20. He got 19. Had uh, Tom Hawkins <laughs> to get three goals. As you said, he kicked 2-2. <laughs> and I had uh, Tommy Stewart in all Australian form. He made sure that I got one of my legs. Uh, so he got 22. So, again, uh, played the no. <laughs> played the same game, multi-well, uh, exclusive, and uh, Sportsbet um, collected my donation, <laughs> another 20 for them.
1: <laughs> well, we, we got through that game, Source: Geelong got the top four berth. Sydney season is over. And then we went to the next one. Fremantle season was going to be over at the end of this game no matter what. And the Bulldogs had a chance to make the finals and kick the demons out of this one.
0: Yeah, this was a really interesting one. There was a lot of pressure on um, a lot of people watching this one in terms of Melbourne supporters, hoping that Fremantle could uh, knock over the Doggies, but not to be. And again, the Doggies scrape through into finals, and uh, it seems to be a position that they like to do. It's sort of into their culture that if they can just get into finals, they can make some noise. And, um, yeah, really interested in, in your thoughts in on this one, Pez, because it seems that every year that the Doggies – uh, so complacent with just doing enough to just make the finals. Wouldn't you be p- trying to make the the finals right from the get go? Like it just it seems an odd way to attack it year after year after year.
1: Yeah, I, I think their list isn't isn't that strong in terms of being able to compete for that top four. Um, but they are growing. They've got still got a young list, and they do have premiership experience in there as well. I think they are trying to to do that, but they just have really poor patches in within years where they. Have a month of poor football. If they lose three games out of four, it's very hard to come back from that and, you know, compete for the top four with those those really good sides in the AFL.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I've actually got a question for you, not in this pod, Pez, but when we when we do our uh, one of our other game reviews or the preview of the finals, I've got a question about the doggies, and it's going to be a very unpopular question, very unpopular opinion that I can't wait to get into. But uh, the doggies end up doing it on the day uh, and making it through. Just uh, they weren't impressive. They scrape into finals and they make another campaign, another run at uh, a premiership.
1: Yeah, I feel like they got it. Um, they got it done in the end. Norton had that bit of a fractured cheekbone or whatever it is. They reckon he might play. Mitch Wallace went off at the end, something to do with his hips. So um, they ho- they're hoping he can get up as well. Uh, they play St Kilda at the Gabba on a Saturday afternoon in a couple of weeks' time. So that'll be a very interesting clash considering St Kilda uh, beat them up earlier in the year, but, you know, they didn't have players like Aaron Norton and Mitch Wallace playing up forward and Tim English firing and things like that. So it's a very different contest this time around.
0: Yeah, very very different, uh, but the same sort of scenario, trying to get those players back for a finals berth, and uh, they come up against your Saints, Pez, so you're hoping that mm-hmm. they uh, don't get up at all.
1: Yeah, if the Saints could win a final, that would uh, that would be very good, make me very happy. Uh, my bet in this game, source is a four-leg same game multi, very confident in it. Blake Akers to get 15, he got 18. Fife to get 15, he got over 20. Luke Ryan to get 15, he got over 20. And Caleb Daniel to get 15, he ended with uh, 14. Yeah. Only two disposals in the first quarter, he got tagged out of it, but they changed his role after half-time.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's... Um Show you, shows you how important Caleb Daniels is to uh, the, the Bulldogs and the fact that they tagged him out of that game, but uh, the quality of player that he is, the, the coaching staff, changed his role, got into the game and fell short uh, by one possession, which was frustrating and I'm, I'm sure it would have cost a lot of people around Australia uh, multis.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would have definitely cost it. And if Jack LaCosha hadn't played forward, and because he was the other leg that I missed out of my big multi with the three games together source. He would have been the only leg, Caleb Daniel, that I would have missed. So I missed him and Jack Lacocious in that uh, big multi at the end of my round. Oh, yuck, yuck.
0: A little bit stiff there, Pez, but uh, not to be. Um, I had a similar sort of thing. Uh, This time I actually got over the the one um, tick. I got two ticks in this one. But unfortunately for me, I did four legs in this multi, so uh, no bonus bet for me. I had the maximum on it too. David Mundy to get 15, he didn't get that. Luke Ryan to get 15, he got that. Caleb Daniel, as we spoke about, one short. And Tommy Liberatore to get 15, he uh, got that pretty comfortably. But uh, went the old clean sweep on a Sunday. Nothing from all my legs there, pairs. Very disappointing.
1: Yeah, um, not not great. And Mundy, I think, had about eight disposals or something, if I read that correctly. Yeah. Um, so he was missing the whole day. And then uh, that completes the Sunday, as you said. You moved on to the Monday. You had a bonus bet on. I'd, I had no bet in this one. Um, so you had a bonus bet. Looks like that's a red cross again. Port Adelaide, Robbie Gray, yes, he didn't kick a goal. He should have kicked a goal. And Travis Boak did have a shot but didn't score.
0: Yeah, a bit disappointing. Um, it's disappointing when Port Adelaide have, you know, the last couple of weeks they've been making a habit trying to get more than just Charlie Dixon to kick goals. They put to bed the rumour of uh, no Charlie Dixon firing, no uh, Port Adelaide win. They were very impressive. They were definitely on a mission, out to prove something. I loved them uh, for value at $1.65 that I picked up in my multi, which means that my multi got up. But uh, disappointing. I had them to to win and those two goal scorers, as you said, both had opportunities, both great opportunities as well. But, uh, again, made absolute benefit of that exclusive and – One from three again, Pez. So very, very successful for Sportsbet for giving me the exclusive back, (laughs) which shouldn't mean that I get uh, another bonus bet uh, exclusive next weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's all right. For the finals, you get a bonus bet exclusive. That would be fantastic. If I could get one of those, I would um, be pretty happy as well. But your multi, as you said, got up, so you returned something there. Um, For the season to date, we both had a negative round in round 18, but the good news is we did finish on top for the end of the regular season.
0: Yep, third year in a row, pairs that we've been in the green at the end of the year. Um, actually, all, uh, all the seasons that we've done in the podcast, three seasons, three positive so far. Hopefully I'm not jinking us into the, the final series. But uh, yeah, both positive for the year, which is fantastic. Um, do you want to go through your ROI for round 18 and the end of the season, Pez?
1: Yeah, so round 18, staked 225. So follow the rules beautifully there. Uh, (laughs) Returned 142.56, ROI of minus 36%. So it wasn't an ideal round 18 on the pod for me. But overall, we have a look. I staked $3,490, returned $4,080.56 for an ROI of 14.47%, a little bit above what the goal was, and making just shy of 600 bucks.
0: Yeah, very good, Pez, for the season. Uh, I had uh, round eighteen staked one eighty, so I followed the rules perfectly. Uh, Return one hundred four fifty four, ROI of minus forty one point nine two percent. Bit disappointing for that. Uh, for the year, staked just under three grand, two thousand nine hundred. Returned three thousand and ninety eight dollars and forty nine cents. ROI just under of our goal of ten uh, percent. I hit the six point four zero percent. So have only profited about uh, what's that, Pez? About uh, hundred bucks? A couple hundred couple of 100 bucks couple for, hundred. for the year but you know what profit is profit and it's still uh, there's still an opportunity with finals to make it a bigger profit and uh hit our goal of 10% yeah and
1: that's that's what we will try and do and uh hopefully uh one of my new favorite TV shows and one of your new favorite TV shows will be able to help us with that because last show source we we spoke about an incident where uh the, in the Melbourne game our our main man who's not our main man anymore David Roden Uh, left our minds and left me and you shattered because he did a score review, which he's never done before.
0: Yeah, disappointing score review, which means he's out of favour with Behind the Boundary podcast, but it was only a short-lived disappointment and my heart was broken only for a short amount of time because when there is disappointment and there is failure, a hero emerges from the flames and Pez... We have a new fan favourite.
1: That, that is right. When, when one king dies or, or perishes, another one rises to the throne. And aren't we glad to have this young man in our lives, Jesse Baird. And if you don't know who Jesse Baird is, he goes by the name of JB. So we will be calling him JB. He's a first-year AFL umpire this year, source, And he's come in, and he is the goal umpire on the Charlie Cameron kick who decided, you know what, I'm not even in a good position here, but I'm not even going to review it. I'm just going to say that that's a behind. I'm going to go with my gut. So Jesse Bed, jump on board this goal and player, Get him into the grand final because he is not to make a mistake like David Roden.
0: Yeah, and he's been one that we've been following for from the show for a little bit. You know, he did the Under-18s National Car- Carnival in 2018. He, uh, AFL Grand Final, Curtain raiser back in 2018. Big year for him, uh, which meant in the uh, 2019 season, he got the elevation to the NEFL Grand Final. And then following that, four years he's been in the business, four years, and bang, straight to the AFL. Had his debut year this year. Guarantee he'll be doing finals this year after uh, pushing uh, – Pushing our mate, our old mate, our old foe out of uh, out of finals contention.
1: Yep, exactly right. Now he he's got to update his article on the on the AFL website because it says that he finds it incredibly umpiring alongside AFL list umpires in Queensland by observing their level of professionalism. Jesse, mate, you don't have to be doing that anymore because you are the most professional goal umpire out there. You, if you were, if he is down both ends in the grand final, I can guarantee there's going to be no arc review and I understand that there will be no error at all.
0: No errors at all. And Pez, one of the things that we liked about David Roden was his theatrics, the way that he put on a performance. This bloke was born to be a goal umpire. In his spare time, host of one of your favourite shows, one of our new favourite shows, nice little host of Totally Wild.
1: Yeah, a bit of Totally Wild where uh, we're going to jump on the YouTube and, and watch watch the Totally Wild there because he is the host and he's been the host since uh, 2015 and he works up in Queensland when he does the little goal umpiring on the side for a little bit of cash and a little bit of fun. Um, because, yeah, he, he's a fantastic host. He does he does things like build uh, build towers out of marshmallows and spaghetti, uh, introduces different segments and things like that. So if you haven't seen it, jump onto YouTube, Totally Wild, Jesse Baird, and, and get on board. Yeah,
0: get on early before he goes uh, too popular, too mainstream. JB, our man, behind the boundary first. Get behind our man, JB.
1: That's it. And uh, yeah, he's welcome uh, on the show and and welcome to enjoy a Bev with with the boys at the Behind the Boundary podcast anytime.
0: Yes, most definitely. Speaking of enjoying a Bev, Pez, I know next week we don't have finals, but the week after we do have finals. And today the AFL announced where the finals were going to be taking place, what schedule we're going to be looking at. And uh, whilst we won't be going through the actual games, we will actually announce what the, the final schedule is looking like in uh, for the first round of the finals.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. It starts on the Thursday night with uh, Port Adelaide earning that home final, and they will play the Geelong Cats on that Thursday night at Adelaide Oval.
0: Correct. we go on to the Friday night. We have second versus third. Brisbane taking on Richmond at the Gabba. A nice Friday night time slot for finals where it belongs, Pez.
1: Yeah, very interesting. We move on to the Saturday now, obviously not this Saturday because it's the bye week It's the it's a week to binge watch uh, totally wild, but then we go to that Saturday You've got St Kilda versus the Western Bulldogs a twilight fixture at about 440 uh, In the afternoon there
0: correct at the Gabba and then we go over to Perth for the 810 time slot primes time in Western Australia West Coast Eagles taking on Collingwood for the fifth versus eighth clash is super excited to get into that in, in one of our shows coming up next week. Really, really can't wait to do a, a preview of all of those games individually.
1: Yeah, so uh, a couple of shows planned for the bye week and things like that. So stay tuned. Uh, get on our socials at Behind the Bound on Twitter and Instagram and Behind the Boundary uh, podcast on Facebook as well. And you can keep up to date and be notified when they go live.
0: Be notified when they go live. And also you'll be able to get some uh, hopefully nice little clips of our new favourite show, Totally Wild, up there, Pez. And uh, JB, our main man, will make sure that we tag him and then you can follow along with his AFL journey. And make sure you get on before all the hype starts building for him.
1: Get around him. And if there's a petition or something that someone can create and we get this man a grand final spot, uh, we're going to do everything in our power to do that. Because being, it doesn't matter if he's a first-year player. Joel Salwood was a first-year player and did a fantastic job, won a premiership in his first year. So this guy's going to goal umpire in a premiership uh, in his first year.
0: Most definitely and that would be such an achievement and uh, a rarity in AFL to see a young and like that uh, Take the reins, take control and um, you know what? When you can celebrate the success of uh, some young AFL players and AFL goal umpires especially You make sure you jump on and support that Speaking of people that we are supporting, Pez Another announcement from the AFL house today, big one The 40-man AFL All-Australian squad got released Yeah, it got released uh, a
1: couple of... Uh Surprises like there always is a couple of uh, snubs as there always is and there's always opinions about this uh, Depending on what teams you go for and things give us a little bit of details about which teams fared the best
0: Well, um, as you would expect teams in the top four fared the best Uh, Geelong and Port Adelaide leading the ranks with five players each taken Collingwood and West Coast had four players and then um, we had uh, a range of other teams getting three players uh, Brisbane Fremantle Melbourne Richmond and the Doggies uh, the only teams not to have any players, which you would expect, is Adelaide and North Melbourne. And a bit of surprise, Gold Coast didn't get anyone in there after their um, up-and-down season.
1: Yeah, so they had a couple of a uh, couple of injuries and things and a couple of inconsistencies towards the end of the year. So no one in that 40-man squad. But uh, it's an interesting type squad. I think I, I read only 10 players that were in the... Last year's All-Australian team yep. played the squad.
0: Yep, that's correct. Harris Andrews, Marcus Bontempelli, Dangerfield, Nat Fyfe, Max Gorn, Dylan Grimes, Hawkins, McRae, Lockie Neal and Pendlebury. Those players earning um, selection again for, since last year. Um, a whole range of players getting their first sort of knock as well um, at there. I think I think I read it was 19 players. So 19 players getting their first All-Australian um, nod. Well, the round, of, round for of 40, the, sorry.
1: Yeah, for the squad at least. So... It's it's an achievement in itself to get in the squad of forty. It's so much harder to make uh, the twenty two when you've got, especially with the ruckman, because you've got a bit of uh, a bit of banter going on online with Brody Grundy missing out, which I I agree with. He didn't have a very good year. Nope. Um, but you've also got Todd Goldstein missing out, who's probably the shining light at North. Probably missed out because he wore the blue and white jumper. But um, I think he would have had a better year than than someone like Max Gorn. So.
0: There you go. Yeah, he, he well, he's probably leading the the list of the snubs uh, you know, and, and if you can call them snubs because it's a 40 player list and you, you know realistically if you're not making the 40 list, you're probably not going to make the 22 anyway. But I think that ruck battle is really um interesting. Hopefully they don't go with two Ruckman pairs because it is between Nat Nui and Max Gorn. And you would have to say, in terms of consistency, Gorn gets the job done. But in, in, in terms of impact, Nat Nui gets the job done. So it'll be an interesting debate. It'll be one that everyone will be, um, be either this side or this side. Uh, which way are you leaning? Uh, just first first sort of uh, look at it, Pez.
1: Oh, well, oh, I'm not really a big Max Gorn fan, so I would lean towards Nick Nat Nui. If I, if I had to choose a team you know, to play next week, I was wondering if new team rather than Max Born, but is this team bound in their form throughout the season, their consistency, as you said? What I really like about this all um, Australian thing, it's going to be announced on Thursday in a couple of days' time before the finals actually start. So players' performance in the finals obviously can't um, influence things. We've seen a lot in the NBA. Giannis Antetokounmpo actually went out in the playoffs uh, in the second round and then won the MVP over LeBron, and there's been big uproar about it because you know, Giannis obviously didn't perform in the playoffs and, and lead his team to victory so I would like the Brownlow medal to be awarded before that as well because you imagine um, Lockie Neal for the second year in a row Brisbane go out in straight sets sauce and Lockie Neal comes out preliminary final weekend uh, gets the Brownlow around his neck not going to be a big celebration
0: no, most definitely. and I'm, I'm one of those traditionalists that like certain aspects of the game, obviously, but uh, the tradition of having the Brownlow before the week of the grand final, I, I don't agree with. I think it should be why not have it during the, the bye week when all teams can participate because uh, one of the na- main concerns that you have is that you don't get the teams that fly over for it. Um, but I agree, Pez, I think they should have those announcements done before the final series uh, is is beginning. And then you could also maybe even do a uh, MVP of the, the finals, for example, uh, you know, like similar to what the NBA do in terms of the MVP for the whole final series. You could do uh, – I know at the moment they're doing their bubble player. They had a bubble MVP where uh, Damien Lillard took that home. Um, but it's something that you could probably look at, you know, a, a, a finals MVP or, or – Brown, not a Brownlow winner, but best player of the finals.
1: Yeah, it's voted a little bit differently, but they've got obviously the Norm Smith uh, in the grand final and then they've got player of the final series. Uh, which is another medal as well. And it, it depends on how many games you play. So that's something really hard to, you know, have a, have a bet on and see the odds because you've got to see is a team going to actually play four games, is a team going to play three games, what's going to happen with that. So there's a couple of other things involved with that.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Um, speaking of players that probably aren't going to get a game, we did mention those snubs from the 40-man squad. This team isn't playing a, uh, a game. It is a hypothetical. There's always massive debates about the, the players that are, that are listed. But some of the, the standouts are snubs that I, I sort of uh, uh, my attention goes to. Stephen May, Adam Sard, um, Mitch Duncan, Todd Goldstein, Luke Parker, Sam Collins and Jared Lyons not making the 40-man squad. Anyone with over one pairs that stands out as uh, probably should have got the nod?
1: Yeah, Jared Lyons, uh, absolutely amazing season, consistent season uh, in the midfield. That you know finished equal equal a top on the AFL ladder with the amount of wins. Just didn't get there on percentage. Um, had an absolutely fantastic year since coming across from Gold Coast, and I think he's one of the main ones. Uh, Stephen May, I don't think has the biggest impact uh, on his team. Yes, he, he he does well and gets his opponents, but I don't I don't feel his impact is is enough to to give him a forty man. Uh, nod over the other defenders that are there. So, uh, yeah, don't agree with that one. But uh, Jared Lyons definitely.
0: Yeah, I was sort of tossing up between uh, Adam Sard. I thought he had an amazing season, but it's hard when you don't make finals. You don't win as many games. Same with Luke Parker. Luke Parker had a, a real amazing season. Um, a definitely accumulator of the football. Really surprised with uh, our man Sam Collins not making the list. Pairs. Um, he he kept. A, he had a really really great season and kept a lot of um, big forwards, big names, um, goalless and. It wasn't up until he played Richmond and he got a little bit of a <laughs> a uh, unfair little whack to the ribs, a little rib tickler that he sort of form started to decline a little bit up until then. I think it was, he'd only had one goal scored against him for the whole year. So really, really surprised he didn't make the, the All-Australian list.
1: Yeah, so there's one. You you did speak about Saad. Now, Saad can be a really damaging player, probably going to leave Essendon, uh, in my opinion. But there's other players, you've got to think, yes, they're a great player, but are there other players that are better than them or had better seasons than him? So you've got other players playing in the same position. You've got Brayden Maynard who had an absolutely amazing season, apart from a couple of missed kicks uh, the other week. Uh, Andrew Gaff can probably run off that halfback line or on the wing. Darcy Byrne Jones off the halfback there, and I'm I'm surprised and actually glad that Brad shepard has been recognised as well in the in the 40 man squad because a, a Western Australian player that doesn't get spoken about a lot, but he's a high quality talent.
0: Yeah, I think uh, most definitely because the the media scrutiny is. This year, across um, not just Victoria, that we are starting to notice a lot of those other players as well. Um, it's you know I'd be interested to see the stats, but there are a lot of players there that you wouldn't normally expect to get the nod. And you are correct, players like Nick Haynes got the got the nod. You know, one of our fan, fan favorites, um, but playing for GWS normally probably wouldn't get the look in. Um, as you said, you said Shepard got a, got a look in Tabanar. All these um, you know West Western Australian football players, interstate teams, Gaff Ryan. Um, you know, it's really good to see them getting that recognition um, for, for their achievements because they have been absolute standouts this year.
1: Yeah, and it's a really good team. Uh, another big shout out to uh, Jordan Ridley, won the Essendon Best and fairest and named in the forty man All Australian squad. So, uh, it's a really, really good uh, pick up for him. Unfortunately, he does play for Essendon and. <laughs> haven't won a final since 2004, as we've uh, had on our Essendon Trivia show.
0: Essendon Trivia show, show, and it's funny, Pez, since we've had that that uh, question on the trivia about who was the last team that they actually beat, I've heard that question so many times, and every time I'm like, Melbourne, I know it, Melbourne. Melbourne yep. was the last time they beat. <laughs> but uh, it's good, to, good to, to have that little bit up your sleeve. But uh, congratulations to all the players who did make the 40-man squad, and hopefully – Um, the 22-man squad doesn't have too much controversy, and um, there's only a few players there that I could actually say that I don't think really deserve it. So I'm glad that um, most of those players will make it, and I'm sure that all all five Geelong players will make it, so I'll be happy with that.
1: Oh, possibly. I think Menegola will spot him in on on the interchange bench or something. Guthrie will be there in the middle. Dangerfield will be there. Somewhere Hawkins is obviously the full forward and Blitzar has had a pretty good year. So see who he goes against. The Harris Andrews is probably going to get the main role there in defence. But Jack Gunston's done well was sneaking into that 40-man squad playing for Hawthorne, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, very interested with that one. Uh, I'm not sure where that one sort of popped in there. I think it was just the old habit of um, <laughs> Hawthorne needed a player in there, so they've just gone the old. Yep, uh, he's a, normally a walk-up start most other years, but uh, very interesting that one. I can't see him making the 22.
1: No, he won't make the twenty-two. It would have been amazing if they misclicked and just said, "Oh, we've got to pick someone." Oh, Luke Bruce is a pretty good player. who only played about <laughs> five games for the season. That would have been good.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Speaking of picking, Pez, what we will do is we will put together our own sides and put them out uh, on our Twitter. Make sure you jump on our Twitter at Behind the Bound uh, for all our exclusive bets, our looks, and also also our explo- exclusive um, all Australian squads. So uh, you won't oh, lose Oh, anything. you've given
1: me a task there, yeah. Huh? Have you got some, got some day. homework,
0: mate? Got some homework? Uh, you doing anything this week?
1: So rules have to be uh, obviously from the 40-man squad. We can't just be putting in, uh, yeah, well, in randoms. 40-man 40, 40
0: squad and um, I don't know about you Pe- Pez, but I'm a bit of a traditionalist. They need to have, they need to be playing that spot. I don't want any of this business of having seven ruckmen in the team. I don't want to be, you can't play Tom Hawkins at uh, full forward and then have Tabanar coming off uh, the, you know, in the midfield. So make sure that you stick to the positions, please. Well, for me anyway, I think that I think that's the way it should be working.
1: Look, as a forty man squad. The rule is I've got to make twenty two players, so I'm not gonna to listen to you, I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> You're
0: gonna have twenty two midfielders.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they'd probably beat the team of uh, Ruckman, wouldn't
0: they? Well that's 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 stupid. Of course they would. <laughs> but uh, try and try and stay to at least the, that, the the area of the ground that they normally play in pairs, so
1: Area of the ground, you could put a couple of midfielders, they always sneak him in off half back uh, and half forward as well. Because, uh, like Travis Burke, for example, he's kicked a few goals this year, so you could sneak him in on a half forward flank.
0: Yeah, same with Patrick Dangerfield, but uh, Nick Haynes, there's nowhere he's playing except for off that back line, mate. He's making my squad, guaranteed. Is
1: he? Uh, actually, no, this, this year, this year we'll hasn't we'll had a good we'll year, see good year. <laughs> we'll see what's next happen, but uh, yeah, very good. Um, we summed up our season. We're in the positive, so we're all up and about, ready for the final series. But make sure you do jump on board. Totally wild this week, while there is no footy. Uh, and follow along at Behind the Bound. I'm Pez. Peace out.
0: I'm still Sauce. We'll catch up next time, guys. If you are... Oh, we're not having a punt, though, Pez. Because we are having a week off. Make sure you stay safe during the week off. Um, and we'll catch up next time. Now we no. are